When wishes were horses and beggars could ride, in a stone castle by the sea there lived a rich land. How am I supposed to choose? There are so many. And so he left the trail, and he followed the sound of the music. I am the goat from the hills and the mountains. And when I have finished eating these herbs and these vegetables, then I shall eat you, too. Once upon a time, and welcome to the Story Story Podcast. I am today's part-time host, Simon Brooks, and I have some great stories for you on this episode. This is a podcast to hear traditional stories told by some of the best storytellers in the world. It will take you to long ago and far away, and will bring you back safely. Who likes gold? Gold is nice, it's shiny. It's caused a lot of problems over the years, it has, and a lot of stories mention gold, including today's episode. It's November, and this year, 2020 of course, we have had our third snowstorm in New Hampshire, and it's only the 4th of November. Maybe the second was more like a squall, but it laid down snow on the ground. And the wind, oh my gosh, it has been brutal these last three days. If you go outdoors without a hat, you'll be back inside pretty sharpish. Your ears will not thank you unless they have good covering on. I suppose these masks that we're all wearing these days is a good thing. It keeps our faces warm. Mo and I headed out for Great Brook a usual haunt, for a good, long walk. It was early. The sun barely up, few people on the road, and no one on the trailhead when we got there. The snow was fresh, unbroken, no tracks anywhere, not even the sign of a squirrel or a mouse imprinted in the snow. Mo was excited. She knows when we go here, it's not a quick, short walk, but a hike, and she was in the mood for one. And it was so magical. The light played on the snow, showing up the crystals individually. A snow princess's heaven with all that glitter. Some branches were bent down from the heavier snow earlier in the week, arching over the path. In between the trees, the wind is barely a breeze, but still sharp and cold. There's not yet enough snow for it to undulate, just a liberal coating that lies on the ground, dusted over the trees and leaves which haven't yet been stripped, and no footprints. There's something wonderful about being the first on fresh snow. It feels like the world is brand new, and you're the first to explore this place, even if there are trail markers. Mo was excited, leaping and dashing in and out of the trees. We played hide-and-seek, and she sat as I took photos of this fresh fall. Then we would hide and seek some more, me whistling a special hide and seek tune and watching Mo look about for me. It was as we were heading along this long, straight path along the ridge that I noticed other footprints in the snow, other footprints that were pointing towards us. I am thrilled to introduce Jenny Cargill Strong. She lives a long way away from here. She lives all the way away in Australia, and I love her work. She is one of those tellers that you can just fall into her words and fly to another place. Today, she'll be telling you the story of the Golden Goose. Sit tight and enjoy. The 
golden goose. Once upon a time, there was a magical goose with golden feathers. The goose lived close to a very poor woman who had two daughters. The woman's husband had died and she could find no work. The little family had to beg for food and clothing and only survived because of the kindness of neighbours. The mother tried to stay cheerful in front of her girls, but at night she wept, for the roses on her daughter's cheeks had faded along with their laughter. The goose heard the mother's cries and decided to help. The next afternoon... As the family sat eating their meal of scraps, the goose flew in through a window. She sat up on a beam in the ceiling. The golden feathers shimmered in the afternoon sunlight. The goose looked so beautiful that the mother and daughters could not speak for some time. At last, the mother spoke. Why are you here, beautiful goose? I am so sorry but we have nothing to give you. Ah, but I have something to give you, said the goose. As they stared in amazement, the goose shook one of her wings until a single feather fell out. The feather was made of pure gold and it floated down into the mother's lap. Then the goose spoke again. I will give my feathers one by one and you can sell them for money. Then you can all live in comfort and never go hungry again. The three women wept for joy. Thank you, beautiful goose. Thank you. From time to time, the goose came back, each time leaving another feather. The mother and her daughters sold the beautiful feathers for enough money to live very well. They repaid their debts, paid their rent, and when they could, they gave to the poor. The mother and daughters grew healthy and strong, and laughter again filled the house. Years passed, and every time they were short of money, the goose would arrive and drop a feather in the mother's lap. But one night, the mother had a terrible nightmare. She saw the goose fly far away and never return. She saw herself and her daughters starving again and felt the pain of watching her daughters' faces grow pale and their laughter fading away again. In the morning, the mother's face was red from weeping. Daughters, I am worried that the goose will fly away one day and we will be left starving once more. I think the next time it comes back, we would be wise to pluck off all her feathers. The daughters were horrified. How could you think of doing such a thing, mother? That would hurt the goose who has been so generous and kind to us. She may share her feathers with other families also, not just us. Please don't do that, mother. It is a terrible idea. But the mother couldn't get her nightmare out of her head. Some dreams should be listened to, but others should not. One day, the goose came to visit while both girls were out. The mother waited until the goose had dropped her beautiful feather. Then she grabbed the goose around the neck with both hands and she plucked every feather from the goose's body. 
the goose honked in distress. Now it could not fly. Feeling guilty, the mother carried the goose far away from the house so her daughters wouldn't see what she had done. But when the mother went back to count the golden feathers, she found that every feather in the basket was no longer made of gold. All that lay in the basket were the soft, white feathers of an ordinary goose. As time went on, the magical goose's feathers grew back and she flew away home. But they say that golden goose was never seen on earth again. Mutton Jeff, ovine P.I. Sean the sheep and grommet have nothing on Mutton Jeff. Mutton may be deaf, but can smell a clue 20 miles away. Don't let the wolf pull the wool over your eyes. If you are missing sheep, Mutton Jeff can find them. Need a lamb leg up on the case? Tired of hoofing it around and getting nowhere? Call Mutton Jeff. They have the chops for the job. Don't let the lamb be led to slaughter, be it here, there, or on Broadway. Mutton Jeff is one of the best private investigators of ovines there is. Hear what Bo Peep has to say. I lost my sheep and really did not know where to find them. I, I called Mutton Jeff, and before a spider came and sat beside little Miss Muffet, I had my sheep back. And little boy Blue says, I fell asleep under a haystack, and even though I blow my horn, the sheep weren't in the meadow, but Mutton got them back to me. Thank you, Mutton. Call Mutton Jeff. Ovine P.I. Now. Did you know that all the patrons of the podcast have the unique ability to never wear their clothes backwards unless it's intentional? It's true. And they are patrons of the arts. All patrons from the Magic Beans to the Seven League Books get a story story postcard four times a year. The postcards feature one of the delightful fairy tale sponsor images. Would you like to get a postcard from the podcast? If you sign up as a patron at any level, you will get one in the mail this December, wherever you are in the world. Become a patron by going to patreon.com forward slash story story podcast or story story podcast.com. To those who are patrons, Thank you for your support. You are the cheeks in our imagination. Here's the thing about the footprints. We had not walked over any. We were the first up and down that trail. I looked about on either side of the path as I got closer to the hollows the boots had left in the snow, the prince heading towards us. I slowed down and looked harder and deeper into the forest on my left and right. I stopped about 15 feet from where the dark shadows filled where the boots had left their mark. About 15 feet from where the trail the boots made stopped. I searched for where this person stepped off the path, but there were no marks. 
The prints were sharp and clear. They were new, glistening still. I wove to the left and the right of the trail, and there were no other footprints other than mine and Mo's paw prints. It was as if whoever had walked here had suddenly taken off into space, lifted up into the sky. I walked a wide circle around the boot prints. They had just stopped. Have you ever looked at a footprint and wondered if it was close in size to your own footprint? I'm a bit curious like that, to be honest. So, not for the first time, I placed my left boot right next to the left boot print in the snow and lifted my foot. They not only looked like the same size, but they also looked like the same boot. I moved and made a print in the snow with my right boot next to the right boot print already there. The same thing happened. In fact, when I looked carefully, I noticed that a chip was missing from the print. Mine had the same chip. I had caught my boot on a metal plate in the garage, and it had cut a small piece of rubber off one of the knobs on the tread. This stranger's boot print was exactly the same as mine. It had a little piece missing. I looked at the other footprints along the path from this mystery person to see if the sun had melted it, but no, the chip was on every single right boot print. I lowered my own foot into one of the existing footprints and pulled it out. It was a perfect match. These boot prints were mine, but but we had not come up on the other side of the hill, and we'd certainly not leapt from that spot all the way to the other end of the path where we had come from. What had happened? What kind of magic here was afoot? Our second storyteller today is Jane Dorfman. Jane, Rachel Ann and myself were sharing the same stage last year in Woodruff, South Carolina. We all bonded at the festival and had a great time there. So I want you to settle down and snuggle up and get ready for The Giant with the Three Golden Hairs. This is a story from the Brothers Grimm, and it's known either as the Luck Child or the Giant with the Three Golden Hairs. There was once a child born into a poor family, born with a call. Oh, said the neighbors, he will be a luck child, and everything will go well with him. And the family was delighted. Not so delighted was the king, for it had been prophesied that just such a child would one day wear his crown, sit on his throne, and marry his daughter, and he would have no peasants on his throne. So he went to the family disguised as a wealthy merchant, and he offered to take the child and raise him in all luxury. Oh, but the family couldn't sell their baby, for though they had many, each one had been welcomed as a special gift. It was only when the father heard the man tell his soldiers to come back the next day and turn the snow red with blood, that they agreed to let him take the baby. He's a luck child, sire. All will go well with him. So lucky, said the king. And he put the baby in a traveling box on the back of his horse, and he rode away. But he didn't go far, only as far as a bridge over a rushing river. And he took the box, baby and all, and threw it in, saying, We'll have no peasants on my throne. But don't think I would tell you such a terrible story that had a drowned baby in it. No, you must remember that this is a luck child. And the box sank, 
but it bobbed right back up and floated down the river like a boat until it came to the gates of a mill where, and in the mill house there lived a miller and his wife who had long wanted a child. And imagine their delight when they plucked a box from the river and looked inside and found their heart's desire smiling up at them. They raised the child with all kindness, and he grew to be a strong, sturdy lad with a face that drew all the world to him. Now, it was some years later that the king was back in their part of the country, collecting taxes. When he looked at the miller and his wife, and he looked at the boy, and he said, Why does the boy look nothing like you? He's a foundling, sire, plucked from the river, wasn't that lucky? So lucky, said the king, for he knew what child this was. And he said, Boy, can you read? And the luck child admitted that he had never had the opportunity to learn. And the king said, I need you to take a message to the queen. And he wrote out a note, and he gave it to the luck child, who folded it up and put it in a little pouch, and he set off for the castle. But the boy had never been far from the mill, and he was soon lost in the woods. And he wandered and he wandered, and towards nightfall he saw a little cottage. And he made for the light. And the woman answered the door, and she said, Oh, no, you can't stay here. My sons are all thieves and robbers. I can go no further, said the boy. And he threw himself down beside the fire and went to sleep. Now the woman's sons were indeed thieves and robbers, and as soon as they came home, they went through the boy's pockets and the pouch, and they pulled out the note, and they said, have this boy put to death immediately. What a dirty trick. He looks like such a nice lad. We'll fix the king. They were also expert forgers, and they wrote out a new note, and they folded it up and put it back in the boy's pouch, and in the morning, they set him on the road for the palace. By that afternoon, the king thought the deed would be done, and he went back to his castle, and what did he see but flags flying and flowers strewn everywhere, and he got there just as the wedding ceremony was finished. What happened, he said to his wife. I have it in your own hand. It says, marry this boy to my daughter immediately. He seems a lovely boy. And the luck child came to the king, the luck child now dressed in silks and satins, and he said, sire... I had thought you were a cruel king, but you have made me your heir and married me to your daughter. I am so happy. I feel so lucky. So lucky, said the king. Where are the three golden hairs from the giant? Three golden hairs, sire? Yes, no one may marry my daughter without them. If I need them, I'll get them, said the luck child. And the next morning he set off. And he walked and he walked. He knew not where he was going. And he came to a village, and he told them of his destination. Oh, they said, the giant will eat you, surely. I must go, said the luck child. Well, if you do get through, the giant knows everything. Ask him why it is our fountain that used to bubble with wine is now dried up. I'll ask, said the luck child. And he walked and he walked throughout a day, and he came to another village. And they, too, tried to dissuade him. But when he would not be, they said, well... Ask the giant why it is that our tree that once bore golden apples is withering away. Alas, said the luck child. And by the next day he came to a dark, dark lake, in the middle of which stood a tall, dark castle. There was an old ferryman to take people across. I row them across, but they never come back. I'll be back, said the luck child. And something in the boy's face made the ferryman think that he might just be back. 
He said, well, if you do get through to the giant, ask him why it is that I must row back and forth and back and forth and am never free. I'll ask, said the luck child. And he walked up to the castle to the great doors and not knowing what else to do, he knocked. And a giant answered the door, not the giant, but the giant's granny. And she looked down at the luck child and she said, what are you doing here, my poppet? And he said, I need three golden hairs from the giant, else I lose my wife. Oh, she said, is there anything else? Well, yes. Why is that old ferryman on the shore forced to row back and forth and is never free? And why is the tree that bore golden apples withering away? And why is the fountain that once bubbled with wine nearly dried up? Oh, she said, I'll turn you into an ant. And she turned the luck child into a tiny little ant and put him in her apron pocket, for she could hear her grandson coming home, and he said what all giants say, fee-fi-fo-fum, I smell the blood of an Englishman. Be he live or be he dead, I'll grind his bones to make my bread. No, she said, that's just leftover Englishman from last night. Sit down and eat your porridge, and then put your head in my lap. Your hair is all in knots and tangles. So the giant wolfed down his porridge, and then he put his head in his granny's lap. And she brushed and she combed and she petted and she patted. And when he had gone to sleep, she wrapped one of the golden hairs round her finger and yanked it out. Ow, said the giant. I had a bad dream, granny's darling. I dreamed that about that old ferryman. Why must he row back and forth and is never free? He has but to put his oars in another's hands, and then their fate will be his and his theirs. Oh, so wise. Go back to sleep. And she brushed and she combed, and she petted and she patted, and when he'd gone back to sleep, she wrapped the second golden hair round her finger and yanked it out. Ow, said the giant. Oh, another bad dream I dreamed about. The tree that bore golden apples and is now withering away. Why is that? Oh, there is a great rat gnawing at the roots, and soon it will kill it all together. Oh, go back to sleep. And she brushed, and she combed, and she petted, and she patted, and when the giant had gone to sleep, she wrapped the third golden hair round her finger and yanked it out. Ow, said the giant. Another bad dream? Who can help a bad dream? I was dreaming about the fountain that used to bubble with wine and is now dried up. Why is that? Oh, there is a great toad drinking the wine. And if you wake me again, granny or no, I will box your ears. And his grandmother thought it best to let him sleep through till morning. And when he had gone off to do his day's marauding, she turned the luck child back into himself. And she said, did you hear the answers? I did, he said. And she gave him the three golden hairs from the giant. And he coiled them around his elbow like three golden ropes. And before he left, he stood way up on tiptoe, and she leaned way down, and he gave her a kiss on her giant granny cheek. And when he turned to wave goodbye from the shore, she was still stroking that spot. Now the old ferryman was surprised to see him. Have you an answer for me? Yes, said the luck child, and I'll tell you as soon as we reach the other side. And the ferryman rowed him across, and the luck child leapt out of the boat, and he said to the ferryman, you have but to put your oars in another's hands, and then their fate will be yours and yours theirs. So simple, said the ferryman. The luck child walked and walked, and he got back to the last village he had visited, and he told them that there was a great rat eating at the roots of their golden apple tree, and they dug it out and killed it 
and the tree burst into bloom. They rewarded the luck child richly with three horses laden with caskets of gold and jewels. And he walked back to the first village, and he told them that their fountain was being drunk by a great toad, and they dug down and killed the toad, and the fountain bubbled with wine, and there was such a party as had not been seen in that town in years. And when they all were awake again the next morning, they rewarded the luck child just as richly as the other village. And so after many days, he found his way back to his own castle, and his young wife ran and threw herself in his arms. And he went before the king, and he laid out the three golden hairs from the giant. But the king had no interest in golden hairs. He only had eyes for the six horses laden with gold and jewels. So lucky, he said, where did you come by these? Now sometimes even a luck child must make his own luck. And he said, sire, I got them on the shores of a dark, dark lake in the middle of which stands a tall, dark castle. The king left that very night. He was never seen again in his own kingdom. And the luck child and the princess took the throne and reigned for many years in peace and prosperity. But should your travels ever take you to a dark, dark lake, in the middle of which stands a tall, dark castle, flee, for there are giants there. And the ferryman, he was once a cruel king. Thank you for listening to the Story Story podcast. Share the love and go and find more of Jane and Jenny's wonderful work on their websites. As you might imagine, in 2020, it's a little hard to find work audiences out there right now. So every little bit counts. You can find Rachel Ann and her podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Story Story Podcast or Rachel Ann Harding. There you will find the visual candy from the fairy tale sponsor ads and other goodies. Me, yep, I'm on Instagram at Simon M. Brooks and on Facebook and on my website, Simon Brooks Storyteller.com. Diamond Scree, yep, that's me. The brilliant brains behind today's fairy tale sponsor belong to Christina Vincent. Thank you, Christina. The inspiration for the true fairy tale came from today's Walk in the Woods with Mo. Check out the ads for the fairy tale sponsors. They are a lot of fun. And let me, Anne and Isabel know a favourite story that you have heard or favourite stories of your childhood. Who knows? Maybe you'll hear them here soon. Maybe one of us could record it for you. Wouldn't that be fun? Come on, send in a request. This podcast is made possible by patrons like you. For those of you who have become a patron to Rachel Anne, thank you. You make the world a better place. If you would like to become a supporter of the podcast or discover real sponsorship opportunities to rival those of Fairytown Geographic or Peter Piper's Pumpkin Home Rental or Mutt and Jeff, you can find links at storystorypodcast.com. We can even create copy and record it for you. If it's in the cards to support the podcast right now, No worries. Perhaps you would be willing to go and write a review on Apple Podcasts, which helps other story lovers find and enjoy the podcast. What will you get if you become a Patreon supporter? What do you get if you fall? Head over to the website and join the mailing list for hidden goodies 
And don't forget to live happily ever after. Mary Kate opened up the door, and there on the doorstep, wrapped in his own blanket, was her baby. And to this day, Anansi spins webs so that he can catch the flea, the fly, and the moth that got away. If you go down to the lake on a clear day, when the water lies as calm as a sheet of glass, you can still see the rooftops of the castle glittering in the sunlight. And if you listen really closely, you can even hear the festive music from the royal court. If you would like to become a supporter of the podcast or discover real sponsorship if you would like to find real sponsorship why can't I say that word? 